Amen. Let's look in Psalm 25. Psalm 25. I want to share a message entitled Trusting God out of Psalm 25. We're going to begin uh, reading in verses 1 through 8. Uh, I hope you've been praying. If you haven't gotten the calendar yet with our uh, scripture verses as for our guidance of our prayer time, 40 days of prayer and fasting, be sure to grab one on the back table there. And uh, we want to be praying every day up to the anniversary of the church that God will do something special and bring a spirit of revival in our hearts. And I uh, want to pray that someone else will hear the gospel and they'll get saved. Uh, trusting God, uh, Psalm 25, verse 1 says, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not, not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. Now lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and right, uh, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning and being able to read through the scriptures, be able to study it together. I pray, the Lord, that you would uh, just help us to uh, be reminded, Lord, uh, where we put our dependence, where we have our faith, who we uh, trust, and that's the living God. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would uh, minister grace to us to, in a special way today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 2. It says, Oh, my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed let not mine enemies triumph over me. This is a great psalm of David. It's a very meditative psalm. Uh, he's considering who he is and what he has gone through. And uh, about. he's also contemplating the ability of his God to be able to take care of him. And so David is reflecting about uh, he, he placing his trust into his God. That's why he cries out in verse 1, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. And when difficulties and problems come in our life, uh, who do we turn to? And certainly we can cry unto our God, and he hears our cries, and, and he responds in accordance with his mercy and according to his grace. And so we know that he can take care of us and provide for us when we feel overwhelmed with the circumstances in life. It's kind of a yeah, a very unique world in which we're living in and dealing with all this uh, political uh, season that we have with the president's uh, voting, uh, coming up for voting for the president and uh, COVID-19 and all these things that are going on. It's very easy to become overwhelmed with everything and wonder where your security is and why is your faith seemingly not moving. And that's when we need to trust in God more and more uh, each and every day. When you think about trust, trust can be defined in this way. Trust is defined a firm belief. That's your next point there, Pastor Dewan. Amen. 
All right, wake him up back there. Amen. It was a long day yesterday. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, trust is to find a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. So when you say, I'm trusting the Lord, or you say, I'm trusting my friends, or I'm trusting my spouse, um, you literally are putting... Uh, a dependence upon them, you're acknowledging that they have the ability, or uh, they're trustworthy enough uh, to be able to lay your dependence upon them in reference to whatever the circumstance or situation that you're going through. David is acknowledging here his trust was upon his God. Why? Because of verse 3, uh, in trusting his God, uh, he did, would not have to be ashamed. Notice in verse 3, it says, Yea, and let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. And so when we trust in the Lord, we, we are, uh, can enter, enter into a relationship where we don't have to be ashamed of who we are. We don't have to be ashamed of the outcome, the circumstances that we're dealing with because we're trusting in the living God. They're not ashamed. But no, in verse 4 and 5, he acknowledges that they're not ignorant. <clears throat> Notice in verse 4, it says, Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. So he's wanting the ignorance to be eliminated. As I trust in God, God, show me what it is you're knowing. Show me the path. Lead me, he says in verse 5, in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. And so... Uh, we need not be worried about being ashamed of the outcome of situations in our life where we're trusting in God. We don't have to worry about being ignorant about what is taking place if we're trusting in our God. And uh, certainly in verse 6, he acknowledges the fact that when you trust in the Lord, you're not forgotten. In verse 6, says, Remember me, O, o Lord, Thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. And, and it's easy to get caught up with difficulties and problems and think nobody cares. I think nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows the troubles I've had. And, uh, but wait a minute. God does. He knows from the beginning to the end. And uh, he knows what's going on in your life. And so you can trust in God. And not only not be ashamed and not be ignorant, but you're not forgotten. God knows where you are and he knows what's going on. And he knows exactly what's going on in your world right now as you're sitting here in this place as we're studying this passage of scripture. Then in verse 7 and 8, notice he says they're not condemned. When you trust in the Lord, you're not condemned. Verse 7 says, remember not the sins of my youth nor my transgressions according to thy loving, I'm sorry, according to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners uh, in the way. And so uh, this matter of knowing that we're not condemned in Christ. And so of all my sins have been forgiven, I've been washed clean, uh, the mercy of God has delivered me, then I can trust in God because of the fact that he's not condemning me, he's not forgetting me, he's not ignoring me, uh, he certainly is concerned about me, and so no matter what it is I'm going through, we can trust in the living God. 
uh, Albert Einstein said this. He said, whoever is careless with the truth in small matters cannot be trusted with important matters. And oftentimes we think, well, you know, it'll be okay when the big things come along. No, God works on our lives in the little things. And uh, we need to learn how to trust God when small things are going on because then when the big things hit in your life, uh, you can still believe and trust God. I'm thankful for like when my wife and I went to Bible college, just the very simple lessons that we learned that we could trust God, we could depend on God. I'm thankful for those experiences because there's been many big things that have come in my life uh, that I would not have had the uh, hope, I would not have had the, uh, the stamina to trust God in those major things if I had not gone through the little things first. And so this matter of trusting God, David is reflecting on his ability to trust in the Lord. So I want to think of this, when it comes to trust, three areas of trust, uh, uh, first of all, uh, perplexity in trusting. Perplexity comes when we trust in people. Notice in Micah, we're going through Micah on um, Wednesday nights, but I have to mention Micah chapter 7 in verse 4 through 6. Micah helps us with this thing of dealing with the issues of perplexity. Micah chapter 7 in uh, verse 4 says the best of them is as a briar. And uh, he says, the most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of thy watchman and thy visitation cometh. Now shall be their perplexity. Trust ye not in a friend, but uh, put, he says, ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. And so he's dealing with the perplexity of trusting in people. Uh, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. He says, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. And oftentimes in life, when you're dealing with uh, situations, individuals, relationships, uh, it can become very perplexing because you think this is how it's going to turn out, and the reality is it doesn't turn out that way. And Mike is acknowledging the fact that you need to be careful where you put your trust. And I've seen people uh, get just, you know, really fall by the wayside in their Christian life because they were trusting in some other Christian to be an example for them or whatever. And, and when they fall or they stumble or they get away from God, then it causes them to distrust God and think that God's still not working in their life and they fall by the wayside. And so the perplexity of trusting in people. And uh, notice in uh, Micah chapter 7, he deals with the motives. The problem with that is motives are corrupt. Notice in verse 2 says, The good man is perished out of the earth, and there is none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net, that they may do evil with both hands earnestly. The prince asketh, and the judge asketh for a reward. And great, the great man, uh, he uttereth his mischief, a uh, mischievous uh, desire, 
So they wrap it up. And so he's talking here about the corrupt motives of those that would be in positions of leadership. The corrupt motives of those that were people were depending upon. And uh, I just think of the political situation, you know, just the, the uh, um, people you think you can trust in, and then they take advantage of you. You think of the promises that are made, and uh, you think everything's going to work out okay, but the problem is they're corrupt in what they're, uh, what they're plotting and planning. So their motives are corrupt. In chapter 6 of Micah, in verse 16, it says, For the statues of Omri are kept and all the works of the house Ahab and ye walk in their counsels that I should make thee a desolation and the inhabitants thereof a hissing. Uh, therefore ye shall bear the reproach of my people. And all Micah is trying to do to get across is how people become perplexed and trying to deal with situations in relationships because of the fact of the corruption of the motives of why someone may be uh, running for office or someone may be trying to supposedly help you or someone who was promised they would help you, but they had ulterior motives and it doesn't work out that way. And then you become discouraged and you become defeated. And that's why David in his Psalm continues to acknowledge the fact that he had the trust in his God. And God will never abandon you. God will never trick you. God will never leave you hanging, as it were. Uh, when you get perplexed about life, realize there is a God that is still true and is still transparent and still cares about you. And so don't allow yourself to be tripped up because you're confused uh, about trusting in people. Not only were their motives corrupted, but notice in Micah chapter 7 and verse 6 that the morals of the family was rejected. Notice in verse 6. Well, you know, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, it is true. I'll tell you, things that you read the Bible, and it's almost like you're reading the newspaper in the days in which we live. It says, For the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter in law against her mother in law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household, morals of the family that are rejected. There is such a move, and it has been going on for some time now in America, in tearing down the normal, what the family unit is, redefining the family, redefining on uh, what we should do and how it should function. And we see the, the demise of the American family and as a result of it, it's, it's affecting our society. It's affecting everything that is around us. And so he says, I know it's perplexing. I understand when you trust in people uh, that you're going to, uh, you, the reliability, uh, the strength, uh, the opportunities for you to get the right answers are falling by the wayside. And it's because of the morals of the family that have been rejected. And then he speaks about this as far as the memories of God should be embraced. Notice in verse 7, he says, therefore. So he said, here's the corruption of those leaders. Here's the corruption of people I depended upon. Here's the corruption and the morals of the family that's being torn apart. Therefore, because of those things, he says, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation 
my God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in a darkness, the Lord uh, shall be a light unto me. And so uh, he has the memories of what it is to be able to embrace God. And so when you're perplexed about life, when you're confused about what's going on, when relationships break down, when it seems like there's no reasonable answer to things that are going on in your life, remember we look to the Lord. And when we look to the Lord, notice uh, he deals with this memories of embracing God is observation. He just says, I will look unto the Lord. Uh, God never changes uh, and where he is and what he can do in your life. And so when everything falls apart, uh, you need to look unto the Lord. You know, observe who he is and what he has so stated in his word. Not only do we see observation, but we see uh, preservation. It says, I will wait for the God of my salvation. You know, we are preserved in Jesus Christ. We are secure in Christ Everything around us may fall apart, but we still are steadfast in the Lord. We still have eternal life. And uh, the, the amazing thing is, is every time I go to a funeral, I'm reminded of the fact that how secure and how assured we are as Christians that when life ends physically in this world, there is spiritual life that's eternal in the heavens. And the peace that we enjoy and the sureness that we have when we can't figure out why did this disease hit or why did this problem come or why am I overwhelmed? Why does it seem like I'm betrayed? When all those things go on, we can still recognize the preservation of God. He will take care of us. He is the God of our salvation. And then I see this bracing the memories of God's embrace is attention. He says, my God will hear me. I'm thankful that God pays attention to our prayers. Uh, oftentimes we get discouraged uh, because of things that happen in our life when we think that God's not going to listen to our cries. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, I'm thankful how many times through the Psalms you read the psalmist crying out to God and he says, and he heard me. Amen. It's an amazing thing to see how many times we cry to God, and God acknowledges those cries. And so there's attention. He gives us attention. And then I see there's expectation. Uh, he says here, when I fall, I shall rise. Uh, certainly David is not, I mean, Micah is not acknowledging the fact that he's perfect and he's never going to stumble, he's never going to fall. But he is aware of this, and when he does fall, because he trusted in God, and he believed in his God that he would rise up again. And I'm thankful that even if we're overtaken in a fault, we can be restored in fellowship with our Savior. So the perplexity in trusting people, it doesn't work out all the time. It doesn't function all the time the way it should function. So what should be our response in those situations? We ought to be like David, oh my God, I trust in thee. And we always trust in God no matter what is going on. So when perplexity comes, when trusting people, uh, trust in the living God. In Luke chapter 18, I see this matter of pride. Pride hinders our ability 
to be able to trust in the Lord and have peace and assurance that God is on our side. So pride, as perplexity would deal with trusting in people, pride would deal with us trusting in ourselves. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 9, Jesus responds to the crowd that is there and he teaches them a great parable. It says in Luke chapter 18, verse 9, He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. There it is, trusting in self. What happens when you trust in self? He's addressing this. This is the outcome of trusting in yourself. It's pride. So he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. There's the pride. So trusting in self always generates pride. And we're dealing with who are you trusting in this morning? Are you trusting in people that's causing perplexity in your life? Or are you trusting in yourself that's building pride in your life? He goes on and he teaches this parable in verse 10 of Luke 18. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this publican. I fast twice in, a, in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So the Lord takes this great opportunity to teach this parable to those who reason within themselves that they were better than everyone else, and uh, they were trusting in their own abilities to try to be righteous. So what was the problem here? First of all, notice it was self-affirmation. Self-affirmation. In uh, verse uh, 10, 11, says the Pharisee stood and prayed within himself. Self-affirmation. Uh, just trying to um, build up yourself, trying to assure that you are better than everyone else, and if we are not careful, careful, if all we do is try to pat ourselves on the back and try to encourage ourselves and trusting that we can always do it, we are always better. We never do anything wrong. I'm going to tell you, sooner or later, it's going to catch up to you, and then you're going to find out you weren't as good as you thought you were, and you're going to shatter your ability to trust and shatter your ability to move ahead in your Christian life now, because of the fact all of a sudden pride come crashing in on top of you. So pride, self-affirmation. He prayed thus within himself. Notice also when you deal with pride and trusting in self, there's a gross exaggeration. Notice in uh, verse 11 also he says, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this publican, and so here he is oh, acknowledging the fact that he was so much better than everybody else. Everybody has all these other problems, but I don't have any of those problems. 
Uh, boy, pride will get you to a point of false assurance uh, that you think that you're never going to be tempted. I've heard people over the years say, well, I, I would never sin. I would never do anything wrong. Watch out. You have a gross exaggeration there because we are all men of like passions and we all can be tempted and we all can fall. Uh, I remember a young fellow when I was in Bible college. I mean, he just bragged about being a preacher and, and God had called him and he said, I can't quit preaching because I've ever quit preaching. I know God's going to strike me dead and all these different people are quitting and all he's just going on and on and on. Well, he lasted about six months in school. And what did he do? He went back home. Uh, pride, when you let pride build you up to where you think you have it all together, I'll tell you, Satan's got you right where he wants you, and he wants to cut you down real quick. Gross exaggerations. I'm not like everybody else. I'm not an extortioner. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not unjust. And he's just building up himself, and he's trusting in his own self which is creating pride. So there's self-affirmation, there's gross exaggeration, and then I see there's extended humiliation. He says, even as this publican, you realize that's a, 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 a demeaning statement about this publican. Uh, he's just putting him down. And if you allow pride to build up in your life, it's very easy for you to point at somebody else and say, See, they're not spiritual. See, they don't walk with God. See, they need to be like me. And next thing you know, you're putting somebody down who is humbly submitting themselves unto the Lord. And who's going to stumble and fall? The outcome of this, Jesus said, well, wait a minute, I want you to know this. Not, not the Pharisee, but the publican is the one that went down justified unto his house. Why? Because the Pharisee was being eaten up uh, with his pride, which caused him to fall. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that condemn themselves, I'm sorry, commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Uh, really, the, he's basically saying the stupidest thing that you can do is think you're all that. He, he's saying this, basically he's saying if you think that you're better than everybody else, you can listen, you can always find somebody who is struggling more than you are. You can always find somebody has more problems and difficulties than what you have. If all you're going to do is look, walk around and look at yourself as having it all together, uh, the, the devil will be wonderfully obliging to you to help you to build up your ego to the point where you are literally exaggerating who you are, what your life is in Christ, and what you're accomplishing and what you're not doing, and you're able to find somebody else to put down. And so as we trust in people, we get perplexed because people don't always respond the way you think they ought to respond. When we trust in ourselves, we build up pride. And uh, I like what Andrew Murray said. Andrew Murray said this, pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. And people want to talk about how spiritual they are. They're revealing how unspiritual they are. 
when people want to boast about uh, uh, what they believe they are as a Christian, they're exposing what they're not. And so, listen, you cannot have the glories of heaven manifesting itself in your life if you're allowing pride to build up in your life because there's no room for Christ as everything is you. And Christ, I just preached to the, in chapel to the uh, kids this past Thursday, and I, I, I preached a message entitled Living Like a Christian. And I, I preached on it. We, we live in Christ. We live for Christ. Uh, we live, um, what was the other point? Uh, we live with Christ. Amen. Somebody was paying attention. <laughs> Amen. So we live like Christ, we live for Christ, we live with Christ, and I forget what the fourth point was, amen. Huh? In Christ. All right, so, amen. He's going to come preach my message from Thursday. But I, I preach that because the reality is our, our kids, our teenagers, they don't know what it is to be a Christian. And I'm afraid oftentimes we as adults don't know what it is to be a Christian. We have preconceived ideas and we kind of puff ourselves up in the areas that we feel confident that this is what it is to be a Christian and we focus on that and we boast about those things. But wait a minute, pride is driving Christ out of us. We can't allow pride to dominate us. We need to let Christ dominate us. C.S. Lewis said this, Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition is gone, pride is gone. And, uh, we, you know, I'm all for playing games or whatever and winning, uh, and I don't like losing, but I'm going to tell you one thing right now. In the Christian life, when we talk about trust issues, pride has no room in it. It's not about how much more I have than you. It's not about how much better I can be than you. Uh, it has nothing to do with competition. We have that, preachers have it all the time. You know, you go to a preacher's meeting, first thing they want to do is ask you, oh, how's the church going? And in other words, they want to know how many people you got because if they got more, they can boast about that. And uh, oftentimes we as believers, we relate to one towards another. And we have a tendency to want to be boastful about who we are or what we have. Without Christ, we have nothing. And so well, there's nothing for us to boast about. That's why God chose to save us by his grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why is that? Because man would embrace the prideful position that I did more to appease God than what you did. And so God eliminates it all and says, wait a minute, you can't be saved other than by the grace, by grace and by faith in what Christ did for you. And so when perplexity and trusting people overwhelms you. When pride and trusting self overwhelms you, remember as David said, my, oh my God, I trust in thee. Well, just as perplexity 
and uh, pride, then we have to embrace peace. Peace comes when we're really trusting in the Lord. And uh, the, the, these areas is kind of a building factor. People let us down that confuses us and makes us perplexed. We then kind of withdraw within ourselves and want to find some type of security. So we build up our pride and so stating that we are better than everyone else. But yet we still have not experienced the peace of God. We have still not experienced the blessings of God. In Isaiah chapter 26 is a classic verse oftentimes we'll turn to. But Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 and 4 deal with the peace that we can experience through trusting God. Uh, Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And so I want you to see this matter of peace in trusting God is initiated by God. In verse 3, it says that thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Uh, that's God doing that in our lives. And so initiated by God, uh, this matter of being able to enjoy peace. When you trust the Lord, God gives us his peace that passes all understanding. Isaiah 43 in verse 2 says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Once again, that strength, ability, opportunity, availability in someone or something is what trust is all about. And so when you pass through the waters, I will be with thee. There's the strength, there's the reliability, uh, there's the assurance. He says, uh, and through the rivers, thou shalt not, be, shalt not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. And neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. And I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could testify of the fact when they were in the fiery furnace, they did not get burned. The children of Israel could testify that when they crossed the river, Jordan River, that they did not get wet. God parted the river. And so the initiation of God is when we trust in him, he gives us his peace. And so thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Because, why? Because he trusteth in thee. So this initiation of God to give us peace. But then there is the exercise of man, a peace in trusting God. In verse 3, he says, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. God initiates the opportunity to enjoy peace, but man has to respond to that opportunity or that offering that God gives him whose mind is stayed on thee. I don't know about you, but my mind has a tendency to wander. You know, when you want to take and you spend some good time in prayer, doesn't take long when you're praying, all of a sudden my mind's running all over the place. It's starting to think about things I got to do, think about things that happen, uh, or, you know, or I'll be reading my Bible. And as I read my Bible, all of a sudden my mind starts running all over the place. It's hard for me to keep my mind captured, amen, and keep it focused on what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's like when I was in school as a kid. I sat in school and math class or whatever class it was, was, and all I thought about was being home driving a tractor. And then I wondered why I got bad grades. And so, 
we, we have the peace of God because he offers it to it. He initiates it and giving it to us. However, to enjoy that peace, man has to be involved in that. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Uh, I love Psalm 53 and uh, uh, Psalm 56 and verse 3 says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And so when things are falling apart, when it seems like there's nowhere to turn, when it seems like there is no hope, when it seems like the floods are overrunning you, remember this, that God has said he would keep us in perfect peace. But our mind needs to be stayed on him. Don't allow the circumstances of life to consume your thought process. Allow your mind to be focused on Christ. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus. If there be any virtue or there be any praise, think on these things. And the amazing thing is God will initiate peace in our hearts if we'll just stay focused on him. I see there's an extent, it's extended. This peace is extended in time. Notice in verse four, it says, trust in the Lord forever. That's an extension of time. Lamentations 3 and 22 and 23 says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. Whatever problem you're facing today, God's mercies have been renewed. Whatever you're going to have to face tomorrow, I don't know what it is. I don't know what I'm going to have to deal with tomorrow. But I know this, in the extension of time, God has already prepared the opportunity for me to trust in him because he's faithful to me. And so peace in trusting who God is. And then I see we're enabled, that peace is enabled by Jehovah. In verse 4, it says, trust in the Lord forever. And here it is, for the Lord Jehovah is the everlasting strength. And so Mike, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6 says, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And so enabled by Jehovah God, he is the self-existing one. He is the one who never changes. He is the one who needs nothing to exist. And he is the one that we can depend upon and, tr and, and uh, turn to and trust in. Why? Because he is reliable. Uh, he is faithful. Uh, he is strong enough. Uh, he is secure enough. He's unchangeable enough that no matter what it is that we are going through, we are enabled of God to be able to have peace. Now, people will cause you to be perplexed. Self will cause you to have pride, but Christ will give you peace, and we need that peace. I, I don't know who this is. It was an unknown author I came across, but I thought it was a good quote. It said this, don't ask God to guide your steps if you're not willing to move your feet. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And sometimes we just have to do something acknowledging, turning to, trusting in, surrendering to, being assured of the fact that if God is directing and God is leading us, then we can truly trust him. And uh, we can try to put our trust in others, but remember this, when others let you down or cause you to be confused in life, there's still a God you can run to. When it seems like your pride starts to overwhelm you, 
Never forget this. There's a God who is waiting for you to turn to him. And when peace has escaped you, remember this, that you can trust God with all your heart and trusting in him, depending upon him, he can flood your heart with peace that cannot be explained. It cannot be understood. It cannot be duplicated. And it's power enough to secure your thoughts and your life. So David cried out, Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. These are days where we need peace. Uh, I don't know about you, I do. Uh, sometimes I gotta turn the internet off. Sometimes I gotta turn the news things off. And stupid cell phones, every time a new news article comes out, ding, and I'm like, oh, somebody's calling me. I look at it, I was like, ah, another news thing. What's going on with that? <laughs> <laughs> so, and as a result of it, we just, we just constantly find ourselves in a state of turmoil. Turn it off and turn on God, amen? Let God give us peace when there's, there's no assurances. You say, well, you don't understand what so-and-so did to me. No, you don't understand what God can do for you. And so the peace of God comes when we trust in him. Trust in God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the promise that uh, you would give us peace if we would turn to you and trust in you. Uh, help us to be reminded over and over again that no matter what failures or uh, what uh, problems or circumstances and, and come in our life, Lord, that you're still on the throne of heaven. You're still in control of all things. You still love us. Uh, you still saved us. You still promised that you've given us a home in heaven. And you still have reminded us over and over again that you can, in spite of the circumstances in life, bless us and use us. And so, Lord, we just surrender ourselves to you this morning. We trust you with everything. We just lay everything at the feet of Christ. And I pray, Lord, that we'll be able to enjoy that perfect peace. And we're thankful, Lord, that, that you're still willing to save souls. And I'm praying for someone that will hear this message today. That will be moved and touched, Lord, and they'll come and receive Christ as their Savior. And so bless us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you for being here this morning.